0: Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. And to you, and to you, and to you, and everybody that looks like you, it's Drive Time Radio here on KKNW, Saturday morning, as we usually are with you, as, uh, it's back to summer in Seattle, gray and cool, and I don't know what's going on down by Nathan. We'll check in with him in a minute, but uh, certainly, uh, man, it uh, I think it's, I don't want to say 20 degrees cooler than it was yesterday, and it is still early enough that some of this will probably burn off, but uh, it kind of reminds you that weather here is, uh, and I always hate to talk about the weather because this is not a weather show, it's a car show, but it's also a personality show. And part of the personality for cars is weather, right? I mean, there's people that don't take their cars out of the garage when it's even like this. I mean, I know people that have cars that will not take them out of the garage if the weather isn't perfect. I mean, it's a car, it's meant to uh, go out on the road. I can understand you're not wanting to take it out in the winter. Although there's more than several times when I was back east that it was uh, snowing like crazy. And uh, all of a sudden you see some guy coming down a road in a Corvette, you know, which I will admit to doing myself way back when in the old days, uh, back before I got involved in radio, I had had a, uh, a 64 Corvette and that was my daily driver. I mean, that was the only car I had. So when I went to work, I used to, t- you know, I, it, it went with me. Snow, rain, sleet, you name it, the Corvette went with me. And, um, and I mean, I drove that thing. And I was, at the time, I was an insurance adjuster, insurance appraiser. I used to go out and look at wrecks uh, and appraise them for insurance companies. And... I would go out and drive that car in rain, snow, sleet, you know, it had a removable hard top. I remember, you know, and in the 64 Corvettes, the hard top, when you put it on never quite sealed up to the top of the windshield frame. So it would always leak. So when I would take it out and, you know, again, let's, let's, call it for what it is, a Corvette back then, this was 1970, this is a 64 Corvette in 1970, yeah, 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 Nine, eight, seven, something like that, uh, there was plenty of them that people used for uh, for daily drivers, they didn't have the, they weren't the, um, uh, you know, the museum pieces that you see today, now if I saw somebody taking a 64 Corvette out in the snow, I'd follow them down the street and scream at him. But, you know, at this time, I mean, I think I, I paid $2,200 for the car. And that was, you know, that was size money back then. But, you know, if somebody hit it, well, you know, you not, you got parts and you fixed it. It wasn't uh, that the car was a show queen, you know, with my 62, my most recent Corvette. Um, I mean, I drove it in the rain a few times, but I, I just, uh, you know, it was such a... It was, um, it was such a point of pride and joy that it was like, uh, you, you wouldn't put it out in the rain if if you could help it. And again, like I said, I did drive it out in the rain sometimes, but because if you live in Seattle, you drive a car out in the rain, no matter what, right? I mean, it rains, that's, that's what it does here. So, uh, but I, I still know, I know people from back East there, you know, it's snowing. it's, you know, ice on the road or Salt on the road, whatever, they take their cars out and they go with them. To them, it is a, even though it's a Corvette or a similar type car, well, a similar type car to a Corvette, is there? I mean, if you're a Corvette fan, no, you know there's not, there's nothing similar. But uh, but these guys and women, I actually one of them is a woman, they drive their car to work every day. Doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter to them. So, anyway, uh, so and if you have a nice car this morning and you want something to do, may I suggest, as I do every Saturday morning, you take a ride down to um, Westminster there in 175th, where the uh, market is, uh, the big market there where the old Sears used to be, for those of you that have been around Seattle for a while um, and uh, participate and go at least take a look at cars and coffee in the shoreline shoreline cars and coffee uh, is going this morning. Uh, they're out there. They're out there. Rain or, or shine. And I have to tell you, I have such admiration for the, the, you know, the people who put the shoreline cars and coffee on, or the guy that really puts it on is one guy that really does it with assistance of a lot of other people uh, but he's the driving force behind it. And he is out there no matter, you know, if, if like if you need a friend to talk to, if you need somebody to uh, to spend a couple of minutes with on a Saturday morning because you have nobody in the world, drive to uh, Shoreline Cars and Coffee on a Saturday morning and you're going to find, uh, you know, people there uh it's it's just rain or shine it's the most impressive uh bunch of people I've ever seen as far as uh, they are out there winter summer uh rain or snow 8 to 10 a.m every Saturday morning they're just they're out there man and it's a great bunch of people so I suggest if you have nothing to do this morning, and you want to see something very cool? Uh, head out to the cars and Coffee, uh, uh, you know, and go take a look at some really cool, really excellent cars. It's right in front of the uh, Super China Buffet. Is the lot that they use? And uh, again, if you if you want to put it in your GPS, it's one fifty three twenty three Westminster Way North in Shoreline. Nine eight one three three. Take a ride over there. Support them. Uh, Ryan and, and, and the boys over there are uh, really good people and uh, and girls, boys and girls. I don't want to exclude women to bring that cause because there are some. And uh, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. As Hyman Roth said to Michael Corleone, enjoy. So have a piece of cake. Uh, all right. What are we talking about this morning? Well, we got a few things on the agenda this morning. Um, interesting article in the New York Times. Um, uh, o- over the last week, uh, it it, it tackles auto body repairs. But uh, Lawrence Ulrich wrote this article. He's a he's a good automotive writer. He writes for the Times. Has drastically reduced their automotive footprint over the past couple of years, but they still have Lawrence around. He's a business writer. He also he, he concentrates on cars, and he really comes up with some good stuff. I, I really enjoy I look forward to reading his uh, articles. And uh, the article that he wrote uh, for this week, it's in his State of July, 3rd, talks about the rising cost of repairs to vehicles. And any of us that has taken a car in for repair knows what I'm talking about, and we've all taken our cars in for repairs. Now, some of us are uh, a little luckier than others is that we have cars that uh, are old enough that you can still, you know, do a lot of this stuff yourself. Uh, It's not hard to do a tune-up on a car, especially these days with no points and uh, no condenser in in most cars with electronic ignitions. All you really got to do is change the plugs and do some adjustments and uh, again, with the uh, with the plug-in code readers, it's easy to even know what's wrong with your car. And I suggest that everybody that owns a car have one of these things, because if nothing else, and I'm talking about the thing that plugs into that little plug that's under your dashboard, and reads out the computer in the car and tells you what's wrong, it's the way the mechanics check the check engine light. You can always go to a AutoZone or something like that, and they have one, and they'll plug it in for you. But the thing about these, these computers, and they really are little handheld computers, is they tell you what's wrong with the car and what needs to be fixed before the mechanic does. So if you have one of these, and you plug it in and you read it, and you have somewhat of a, a bit of knowledge about a car... <laughs> And the time, you can know what's wrong with your car before you take it to the mechanic. So even if you can't fix it, at least you have the power of knowledge about your car. You have the power of knowledge to know uh, at least what is causing that engine light to go on. What is is failing in the car? And it tells you everything. Uh, I mean, it's amazing what these computers now uh, tell you about your car. And it's available to anybody. Uh, there's no secret about this. You take that, and you plug it in, and you look at it, and it'll give you codes for everything, and you look up the code, and it tells you what's wrong with your car. And then you can decide if the mechanic uh, is you're taking it to is uh, giving you the, the tap dance or, or they're being straight up with you. It's just, you know, again, knowledge is power, especially when it comes to cars. But the car that uh, that they're talking about here is is it, it, and the numbers are amazing to me. This guy has a Rivian pickup truck. He got hit in the rear, hit in the bumper. Right, the repair bill for his Rivian pickup truck, the R1T, he was rear-ended by a Lexus in Columbus, Ohio. Thank God, nobody injured. Uh, Damage was initially deemed relatively minor. The other guy's insurance company hit him in the rear because the guy was wrong. Uh, Offered him sixteen hundred dollars. The actual cost to fix the bumper, the rear bumper that was hit on this on this Rivian truck, forty-two thousand dollars. Yeah, you heard me right. $42,000 because when the car got in the back, in the bumper, it pushed the bumper down and affected a piece of the structure of the truck. So that piece, so you virtually had to take the truck apart to replace that piece of structure. Um, <clears throat> between repairing it, repainting it, blending it, everything like that, uh, the bill came out to $42,000. Now, back in the day when I owned a, an auto body shop and tow trucks and stuff like that, we thought if a car reached a $1,000 repair bill on a major front collision, 1500 $2,000, that it was a lot. But in these days of electric vehicles, in these days of computers, in these days of sensors in the bumper, that once they get hit and – Let's face it, in these days of lawsuits, because you don't want to put a sensor back in a bumper if you own an auto body shop. You don't want to use a used sensor and find out that it doesn't work anymore, because that opens you to a lawsuit. So everything's got to be new from the factory, and um, it runs into tons of money. Now, this is a a bit of an extreme case, I will admit, but anybody who's had a car repaired in the last couple of years knows that two things are true. Number one, it costs more than you ever expected it to cost. And number two, to get parts and to book an appointment in a repair shop these days, especially an auto body shop, is next to impossible. You got to know somebody. I mean, I remember the days when we used to have to chase after accidents to find work. Now, if you own a decent body shop, a good body shop, you're, you got a gold mine. And it's, uh, it's crazy. And there are certain brands now with this new model that will not let you, don't want you to take the car to an independent shop. You have to take the car back to a dealer, a dealer. Rivian is one of those. Tesla is another one. And what Tesla does is they refuse to sell parts to aftermarket shops or to um, you know collision repair certain, certain shops. They have to be Tesla certified. So when you put a dent in your fender, Tesla doesn't want anybody working on that but a Tesla certified repair shop. Now, that's good and bad. Number one, if you're in a Tesla-certified repair shop, you think that or you hope that uh, the person who's repairing your car went through a certain amount of training and is familiar with your type of car. But what it does is, listen, auto body shop owners are always going to try to find places to cut costs. And what's going to happen, sure as God made little apples, is the aftermarket parts situation is going to come into play. And by uh, by w- what I mean is between buying a, a part at a dealer and buying a part in an auto parts store there is a level in there where body parts are manufactured uh many of them most of them in China uh to almost manufacturer specifications. So they're using uh, you know, they've either stolen the, uh, the plans, you know, the, the, the technical stuff, or they've actually bought the rights. And they stamp out fenders and door panels and stuff like that from, uh, and, and the, from, from metal and sell them at a reduced price because their labor is obviously much cheaper than the factory here in the United States or wherever the factory is. And auto body shops are barraged with people who sell these type of parts. They get mailers, I mean, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Was it that long ago? I got barraged every day with mail or salesmen who would come by and sell you, try to sell you these parts. And I can tell you from experience many years ago that the parts always had some kind of problem with them. The holes didn't line up right. Uh, maybe it was a little short in length so the bottom of the fender wouldn't quite make it to the to where it had a bolt in on the bottom. I mean, there were just tons of different problems with them. Uh, they were all off just a little bit. So if a body shop comes to you and says, I want to use aftermarket parts, I would not let them put them on my car because I just don't know the quality coming from, General Motors are coming from Ford are coming from Volkswagen or whoever. The, the parts, you know, are going to be their original OEM and manufacturer parts, original um, manufacturer. But when a body shop uses those type of parts, but anyway, it lowers the cost of repairs. Now, there are some unscrupulous body shops that won't tell you that they're using those parts. But the point of this whole thing is, is that the price of repairing cars is rising, and what what happens, kids? Anybody want to chime in on this one? What happens when the price of auto repairs go up? Your insurance goes up. When the cost to repair cars in a certain that's why it costs you more. To, it's one of the factors. It's not the only factor, but it's it's part of the fact of why insuring a car costs you more in Seattle, let's say, than it does if you're in Washtukna. because the chances of you getting into an accident and that company having to pay out is much greater in Seattle than it is in Washtukna. So, uh, and the price of the repairs are uh, only going to go up because now you have all these components, computers and chips and this and that in these cars, and they're placed in bumpers and behind grills and in all different places, and <clears throat> they're not they're cheap. Not so when you take your car in to get it repaired, uh, you're, you know, uh, an auto body repair. You're certainly at the mercy of the auto body shop, because you don't know. And I'm not saying that, that all auto body shops are rip-offs, but there are some uh, less than reputable ones out there. And the salvage prices on cars now is another thing you have to watch out for. Is so high because used car prices are so high that it's easier for an insurance company to total out a car. Pay you the uh, blue book value on the car. You go buy another car. They are, are absolved of the responsibility because they hang a salvage title on it and they don't have to fix it. They sell it at auction. Somebody else fixes it and puts it back on the road. So the price that we are paying for electric cars for the new um, technology of, uh, of collision mitigation, there's a price that you're going to pay for that. The average cost of making damaged cars good as new has soared 36% since 2018. The average cost of repairing a car, 36% since 2018, and that's not counting supply problems or other stuff that's going on. The average collision ticket will probably top $5,000. That's according to Mitchell, uh, one of the companies, along with Autotex, that makes... Uh, the collision estimator sheets that people now use, the computer systems, the software systems, so that uh, these companies can do a computer. You know, in the old days, we used to go in and just write it down on a piece of, you know, you had a a sheet of paper and you wrote everything down. You added it up with the adding machine. You attached the adding machine tape and you sent it to the company. Yeah, no more. And... You know, body shops have gotten wise. They charge for things like blending paint. They charge for things that they used to not charge for. And good for the body shop, and I think good for the consumer in some ways. But again, drives up your premiums. Insurance premiums have gone up on average to 17% in the 12 months through May. Especially if you have an electric or a sport utility vehicle or a pickup truck. Simple repairs, things that you think are very simple, can cost a fortune. So what's the solution? I don't think there is a solution. I think more and more cars are going to be, uh, you know, as we see the dealer models changing, as we have talked about on this show many times before, as we see the dealer models changing, you are going to also see the repair model changing. Less and less shops are opening up. Maybe if you had a good mechanic, he'd open up a shop and you'd take your car to him and boom, boom, boom. But more and more mechanics now are saying, I don't need the, the problem. I'll just go and work for a dealership or I'll go and work for a, uh, you know, a Bucky's or something like that, and not have to invest in the in, in the equipment and the capital it takes to run a, uh, an automotive repair business these days. You used to be if you had a set of tools, you could have an automotive repair business. Now you need uh, recalibrators and, and and all sorts of equipment that cost tons of money. Another reason why. I mean, you think about it. You go to replace a windshield in your car these days. If you have a two, three-year-old car, you're not only going to have to replace the glass in the windshield, but you now have to calibrate the collision mitigation system that many cars have either in the rear view mirror where a lens comes in and surveys the road, or there's a camera up there. There's something up there that goes along with your collision system. With your with your anti-collision system, and those have to be recalibrated and recalibrated, right? Because the last thing you want to find out is that Sammy at the body shop forgot to put the plug in to your collision mitigation system as you're barreling toward the back of a uh, of a semi on I ninety. Not a good time to find out. So, again, what 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 can you do? To, yourself to mitigate those costs you can shop around you can be knowledgeable you can check reviews you can make sure that the mechanic that you use is on the up and up you can try not to take your car to the dealer find a good independent repair shop and even if you have to wait it's it's usually worth it it's 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 worth it because you you, uh you want to get your car repaired right and you want it to be done at a reasonable cost. And that just doesn't exist at a dealership in many cases anymore. Unfortunately. Now warranty work, you have to have done at a dealership and there are dealers that are reputable, but everybody is looking to squeeze the last buck out of you through your car that you can possibly uh cough up. And so you have to, you have to buy or beware. You have to be diligent. You have to um, check on reputations of, of shops that you take your car to. It's that simple, and hope that uh, you find an honest mechanic, and that mechanic can help you. You know, uh, you know, form a relationship. The old days, I used to advise people. I don't know, I'm talking about the old days a lot today. Um, I used to tell people, find a gas station that does repairs. This is when self-service gas and everything first started. I told all my friends, said, find a, a gas station that has a mechanic and go there for whatever you need. Don't go to Sears. Don't go here. Don't go there. Go there if you need air in your tires, if you need an oil change. Yeah, you can get oil change at Monkey. But when you have to have a major repair done on your car, the mechanic at the gas station is going to know your car, or the repair shop, is going to know you, know your car, know that you buy your gas there, and is going to nine out of ten times consider you a good customer and take care of you, unless they're idiots. Uh, My father taught me that many years ago. That, and, and I saw that he would take care of the customer who were his repeat customers. Um, their cars went to the head of the line. He used extra care with their car because that's who he built his business on. And he, he gave them, you know, better better prices than if he just came in off the street. Um, I know people say, well, that's not fair. Well, life isn't fair some days. But, but if you have a car... You know, nowadays, though, you can't find a gas station that does repairs. So it's really tough to form that relationship with a mechanic. Now, there's lots of mechanics out there that have garages and stuff like that. Uh, But, you know, you you don't see them on... You only see them when something's wrong with your car. But take it from me. uh, Bringing your repair guy a plate of cookies at Christmas will pay off when you have that tick 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 in your engine that you can't figure out what it is. I'm just saying. Um all right, it's uh why don't we uh, bring in our good friend Nathan who is uh steadfastly holding down a fort uh, back at the um at the broadcast center. Good morning, Nathan.
1: Good morning, Finny. Happy Saturday.
0: Oh, happy Saturday, Nathan. Are you always this happy?
1: I'm always happy.
0: Like, when you get up in the morning, are you, like, just sunny Jim, you know?
1: Uh, sometimes it'll take a little bit longer to get out of bed, but, you know, <laughs> sometimes there's mornings I wake up, and I don't know if you ever watched Mr. Bean, and he wakes up on a Christmas morning, and he's all jumping around and happy. That's me.
0: Uh, I haven't seen it, but I've, I've seen him. I've seen the actor one of my favorite movies, is Rat Race.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> so That's I, a good I've one.
0: Seen, yeah, yeah. I've seen him in, in that Rowan Atkinson, the uh, the actor that does... Mr. Bean. I got the right guy, right? Yeah, yeah, Enrico oh. Pelini. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, you know, and that movie is is a kind of remake of one of my favorite old movies, which is a car chase movie, believe it or not. Uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that?
1: Uh, no, but I know the song. It's a small, 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 small world.
0: No, no, this is totally different. <laughs> oh, Nate, here's a homework assignment for you. When you're looking for a movie to watch, watch the the full version of it's a mad, 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 mad world. Okay, it's a great, it's a, it's, it's a great movie, man. Now you probably won't identify with a lot of the stars. This movie came out in 1963. The people that were in the movie, everybody in Hollywood, was in this movie. Mm. If this movie was so hyped that people were calling up the uh, producer of the movie, wanting to get in the movie. Uh, It's so the the star power of this movie was such that Jerry Lewis is in the movie and doesn't even get a credit. Wow. Now, again, there are stars of that. period, So you might not recognize some of them, but the comedy is still there. You know, a great, funny movie. So it's a mad, 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 mad world. It's a classic. I'll put that
1: on my watch later, uh, probably on Netflix or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it is on. It's it's on most everything. I mean, it's 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 yeah. a, a, a pretty, uh, you know, by this time, it's a classic. They, uh, they figure that Nathan is the only person in the world that hasn't seen the movie, <laughs> so there. Uh, you know, it's pretty much out there to see. Uh, how are you, pal? How was your fourth? Okay,
1: I was pretty good. I mean, I got a dog at home that you know is not the biggest fan of them. She's not like a terrified type dog, but. You know when it happens, she gets uneasy and she just wants to go be alone and find a place to sort of make her den and just take cover for the night.
0: Yeah, that's that's Daisy too. Daisy is uh, she's not per se like running around the house screaming or anything, but yeah. she's she's aware that something that she doesn't like is going on out there, mm-hmm. and she doesn't want any part of
1: it. She exactly
0: wants to under the bed or in a cupboard, somewhere where she can hide and and not hear as much noise as she does. There's those... Uh, have you considered getting... I saw them advertised before, the the jacket that you put on the dog to make it feel better. I don't know why yeah, it doesn't yeah. have... the
1: thunder books. jacket or thunder vest.
0: Yeah, something like that, yeah.
1: No, that um, we try to try make that? a positive out of, you know, what she does. Like, try to give her... A, treats and encourage fun with the fireworks rather than going high. It's like, no, you don't need to hide. You can have fun. See, we're having fun. You should have fun, too.
0: One, one day you're going to walk in the house. going to be Fourth of July. And the dog's going to be looking out the window going,
1: ooh. Yes. Uh, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Instead of howling at the full moon, howling at the fireworks, even though she's never howled.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, she'll get she'll get there. The older they get the more they howl. It's true. Yeah, of, we'll uh, see. Of Of companions and dogs, it's and hard
1: enough can... just to get our dog to speak. I mean she'll bark uh, on her own, but I mean we can't teach her to speak a command
0: see now da- now Daisy will howl Daisy will oh. um when she comes down in the morning, she comes down by my by my door downstairs, and um she will just oh and she's out <laughs> there just 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 howling to the, beat the devil until i I let her in or put her out in the backyard and let her let her romp around a little bit or something like that. We have a little setup back here. She have a, a cable, a little you know, chain. Mm-hmm. Not was it? A leash. And you know, you can put it on her and she just sits out there and hangs out. But I can't chase her down the street, man.
1: What <laughs> kind of dog is Daisy doodle? again? Uh, a labradoodle. Oh okay, yeah, they'll howl. Yeah. My dog's a border collie and she is very stealthy.
0: Yeah, no. The labs the Labrador loves to loves to howl, man. Uh, matter of fact, one of these days, I'm I've, I've actually going to try to uh, record her and set it to music. Hmm. Very good so singer, huh? Me. A uh, a hit record on the uh, on the internet somewhere. You know, somewhere you'll be able to hear Daisy doing um, "I Got a Spell on You" by Howling Wolf or something like
1: that. Ah. Uh, all right. You got a question you want to ask me? Absolutely, Vinny. Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week?
0: Now, did I just see you moving your lips behind the microphone? What do you
1: mean? <laughs> okay, I can be a modern pop singer.
0: Now I got. Now I got a, a lip syncer. Now, now Nathan's lip syncing the line. Now, why wouldn't you just say it instead of lip syncing it?
1: It's <laughs> already recorded. If I get the sound effects going, I mean, it's going to happen anyway. <laughs> It's abandoned in a box.
0: Oh, man. Nathan, you are. you. I, I've worked with a lot of producers in my <laughs> life, man, and I got to tell you, pal, you're unique.
1: <laughs> hey, if this was a completely radio show, they wouldn't have even known. But if they watch no, us I on the video cold with cold. Facebook and YouTube, then they know I lip synced.
0: That's the thing. That's, that's why, you know, a guy like me can never make it in this business anymore because people look and they go, "Ooh, it wasn't a look at like that. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, uh, yes, what am I driving this week? Well, you know, I'm having my third go-round with the 23 Honda Pilot. And uh, this edition is the Trail Sport. And as uh, I did the last two times, I have, uh, you know, just uh, hailed this vehicle. Uh, the... Uh, it's, the, the Trail Sport is uh, a step-up. It's a, it's a more off-road geared model of the pilot. Now, normally I would tell you, well, you want to take a Honda off-road. But the engineers at Honda have gone in and reconfigured this vehicle, uh, putting better suspension in it, putting better tires on it. Uh, it comes with a full-size spare. Uh, raise the ground clearance, put skid plates on it, um, talk vectoring rear differential. And so now this actually becomes true off-road vehicle. You can take this vehicle off the asphalt and feel confident that you're not going to break something. As far as on-road handling and it... It really, uh, it it grips the road, handles really, matter of fact, handles better than I think most SUVs, and is one of the better SUVs that I've driven comes to a three-row SUV. The uh, tires grab really well on different surfaces. Uh, The rear end really uh, does a great job of of moving this thing around and and pushing it and then you the assist of course of the front drive as well but they it, it, it's a comfortable car on the road and so far in the limited road use that I've taken it you know used that I've, I've I've done with it and we'll, we'll take we'll do more this weekend Um it's it's a winner. I really like it. It uh, it's not as um, as asphalt friendly as maybe one of the uh, the more luxurious models of uh, the the passport. Oh, excuse me, the pilot. But does give you ride comfort. Uh, the tires, uh, you know, the, the bigger off-road continental tires that are on it don't take away from the ride and surprisingly don't make a lot of noise. So uh, all said, all told, this um, this vehicle, this Honda Pilot Trail Sport, really, and I've driven it on off-road courses uh, at our Mudfest, is really... A, a, you know, it's a, it's a true certified off-road vehicle. And it, it's it's really, um, again, it's amazing how well it functions off the road. And if you get, you know, if you get stuck, Honda has provided skid plates under there and various places where you can hook a tow chain to to pull you out of where you're, but I got a funny feeling that you're not going to uh, get stuck with this thing. Uh, it's uh, as far as the ride and, and the interior, great interior, maybe not as fancy as some of the uh, uh, other vehicles you might find in this class, but everything works, works well, is easily accessible. It's easy to figure out where things are. It's got a push button uh, uh transmission selector, gear selector, and several drive modes. And dare I say the sport drive mode kind of gives you a little a little sports car feeling. You feel a little bit of Honda racing in there. But as I said, great car, uh very accessible, um, and I'm I'm enjoying my time in it. I'll have a full review for you. Uh, you know, this is uh, this is a car that if you're a driving enthusiast, if you're somebody that uh, wants something a little more than Honda offered in this line of vehicles, um, it's there now for you. Yeah, they they've stuck with the V6, and uh, it's a very sharp-looking, very functional, and very uh, dare I say, fun to drive vehicle. Two hundred eighty-five horsepower, two sixty-two pound-feet of torque, and it will um, it'll get the job done for you. Uh, again, I thought uh, I think it's a it's a star from. Uh, and once again, if you're a Honda fan, it gives you an opportunity to stay with Honda if you want something that's a bit more rugged off-road. Uh, this one, I think, I, I didn't. I don't have the Monroney uh, slip in front of me. I think you're, you're around uh, 55000 for it. But uh, you know these days with Hondas in short supply, you might expect to pay a little more for it. But it's definitely uh, a truck, uh, a, a, an all-wheel drive truck, a four-wheel drive truck, worth considering if you are in the market for that type of vehicle it uh, definitely fills the need all right time now for our cartoon and for this one we uh you know at this time of year i always start to thinking especially today it's my 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 brother's birthday and my brother and i took several trips across country in our youth uh, we used to go back and forth and back and forth all the time and we did a lot of had a lot of fun, met a lot of people. I always suggest to people, if you want to learn something about this country, get in your car and drive across country. Get off the interstate, take some of the some of the highways, and learn a little bit about where you live. And we, we crisscrossed this country so many ways. Uh, mostly we did it in uh, what used to be called drive-away cars. But a few times we jumped in a van. We had a van or a station wagon uh, because that enabled us to sleep in the van. Or well, the station wagon. You lay out a couple of listen, this YouTube car camping thing is nothing new. I've been doing this for years. Uh anyway, uh, a, a a a great artist, one of the great unknown artists, I think, of this world, unless you're hip to the music scene, Chuck Prophet, uh wrote a song about uh his favorite cross-country vehicle, the Ford O'Cono line, which was the Ford version of uh their van, uh, when it first came out back in 1962, I believe. And uh, Chuck so lovingly sings about his Ford Econoline. line. There you go, Chuck Prophet, a uh, guy out of San Francisco, or at least he was down in San Francisco for a lot of the time I was there. Uh, I was to play him consistently on my old radio station, KF, down there. And Ford Econoline, line. Uh, it's a cartoon, our Saturday morning cartoon, because we bring them to you because cars and music go together so well, as we have found out over the years. By the way, the Honda Pilot has a great uh, assist stereo system in it, uh, Apple CarPlay, and all that stuff. A lot of a lot of good good sound. I was I'm very impressed with the sound in the Honda. All right, it's uh, Drive Time Radio. I'm New York Vinny. We are uh, rolling toward nine o'clock here. I wanted to jump in on this topic as well. Uh, Because, again, it's going to cost you more money eventually. And, listen, don't look at this. When I tell you what this is, don't look at it and say, oh, that will never happen here because I'm telling you, Seattle is just exactly the type of city that would adopt something like this. I'm talking about um, congestion pricing. Congestion pricing. Remember it because uh, it it is scheduled to go into effect in New York in April 2024, and what's congestion pricing is, is very simply, uh, they are going to charge people to come into Manhattan, below 60th Street, the business district. If you go below 60th Street, uh, you will have to pay a daily fee uh, that could amount to as much as $23 every time you go in. So if you make two trips into the city or three trips into the city every day, you're you're looking at uh, you know sixty nine bucks for three trips. So uh, it is it is the purpose of it is to they hope make less people drive into Manhattan. I don't know whether this will accomplish that or not, but it is certainly uh, something that, they, that they've talked about for years. They've talked about for years putting tolls on the uh, East River crossings in New York, and it's never come to fruition. Uh, but now they have figured out a way to tag cars that are going into, uh, and trucks that are going into the city, and try to get people to um, not drive into Manhattan you know, through the, from the hours of 6 in the morning till 6 at night. Now, from what I've read of the plan, it will lower the price to go into Manhattan uh, from, you know, in the evening hours, the off-peak hours. It'll be cheaper to go in, but you'll still pay. Uh, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority, which runs uh, the uh, subways, buses, and commuter rail lines in the city, um. There'll be concessions for low-income motorists and Uber and Lyft drivers, and so on and so forth. But there's a 30-day public review period that is uh, going on now. Once they get that done, they'll start putting up the uh, the tolling, uh, you know, cameras that will uh, that will charge your. Uh... Now you say, well, buddy, you know, that's New York, but. I'm telling you, sure, sure as, as you can get donuts at the donut shop. If it works in New York, within five years, you'll see it in every major city in the country. Your ability to drive downtown, it, it, it's going to cost you. It's another thing where they're going to squeeze the motorists and charge them for using their car to go into Seattle. Especially once they get the, um, the 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 transit lines up to Linwood and over to the East Side done, they will uh, the government will figure in their head that there's no reason for you to drive a car into Seattle. That you can park your car. In Bellevue, or uh, or up in Linwood or wherever they build up these big parking garages, and you can take the train into the city, public transit into the city, a uh, a bus into the city, and that you'll be, and that'll be cheaper, for you, better for you, and certainly uh, better for the environment, and better for uh, the streets. Less cars on the street means less uh, street repairs and so on and so forth. I don't know if I buy all of that, but it is something that's coming and it's something that you should pay attention to because I I tell you right now, whether I'm here to see it or not, within the next 10 years, you will see congestion pricing uh, to come into Seattle. You will pay 20 bucks or whatever it is to come into downtown Seattle, which will probably cause more business uh, to to get up and leave. Because why would you go buy something downtown at Nordstrom's uh, and pay, you know, whatever the congestion price is? Let's say it's $20, when you could buy that same thing at Nordstrom's up at Northgate and not have to pay the $20. Or, you know, similar scenarios to that, or order it online and not pay the $20. So there's lots of different scenarios, uh, that come around to, um, uh, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, keep an eye on this, go to the New York times, go to the different, uh, New York papers and read about congestion pricing and learn about it. Because, uh, if it works in New York city and there's no reason to tell me that it's not, because people will will moan and complain and and cry about it, but there's no choice but to comply with it. It'll be state law. And you will see in other cities that have traffic problems, this congestion pricing. uh, They're doing it in Europe. They've been doing it in Europe for years. Uh, London has had congestion pricing for, I don't know, seven, eight, maybe 10 years even. And uh, certainly you hear complaints from the lorry drivers and from the uh, the cab drivers about it, but the reality is is that it's in force, it's in effect. Has it lowered traffic in London or in other cities that use it? I don't know. It's a good question. I haven't seen any studies yet, but I'm, I'm looking for them uh, to see if it actually does lower uh lower traffic and keep people from coming into the city in their cars. You know, I mean, I'm sitting here moaning about it at the moment, but it could be a very good thing ultimately. And, it, you know, uh, again, if it gets people out of their cars uh, that, you know, that, that driving to work every day uh, in a single passenger car and gets them to, you uh, you know, to leave less of a carbon footprint on our planet. Maybe it's a good thing. Something has to happen. We are in the middle of a, uh, you know, uh, of what is it? The three or four warmest days the planet has ever seen. So there's something going on. I don't know if this is going to fix it or not, but it may be a piece of the solution, but, I am telling you that it's going, to, it's going to become more and more expensive to own a car um, and just use it for commuting. Another thing that they're considering that you're going to see, uh, you know, as I sit here and predict the future in a couple of seconds we have left on the show, is re- pricing for your car by the mile. With all these electric cars coming online, where are we going to get the money to fix the roads? It comes from the gas tax. Well, these cars aren't using gas. So many municipalities, now many states are considering moving to a package of mileage-based registration fees. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. But a couple of things to think about. If you, there was a theme to today's show, it's about money. It's getting more and more expensive to drive a car in Seattle, in this country, in the world these days. Get prepared for it. All right, that'll wrap this thing up. Thank you so much, uh, all of you, for listening. We will catch up with you next week at 8 o'clock if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye now.